Good morning, everybody. Good to see you all here again. We're wrapping up this series today called What's Best Today. And we've been looking over the past seven weeks at different uh, passages in the Bible on the subject of productivity. And so we've looked at what, what blocks our productivity. We've looked at how to deal with the mundane chores in life. We've looked at how, to, how loving people is one of the most productive things we can do with our time and to, be, to live fruitful lives. A few weeks ago, Scott Lamberth shared about how God's grace, not our own self-effort, is what really fuels productivity. Last week I looked at character and the importance of not just dealing with externals, but really the internal character issues, the real you, is, is what helps us. And today I want to just wrap up this series by trying to bring everything into focus that we've looked at and try to summarize and narrow or boil it down to two core principles. And so, now God's priorities, God's priorities are counterintuitive. They're, they're just, they're not normal. They're not the defaults. We wake up in the morning and we naturally put ourselves First, that's, that's what comes into our mind is our to-do list, uh, our, our desires, and we're constantly just having to wrestle God's will and ways and our will and ways and wants. And so there's this tug-of-war constantly going on. Now, I noticed this again in my own life this week. I uh, got some good news. I did get my cell phone back. Um, I was without a phone for about six days, which was really strange. It's kind of a freeing experience, but I got my cell phone back. Actually, it's not mine. They determined mine couldn't be fixed, and so they sent me a new one, which is even better. And so I'm flying in the realm of productivity and, and communication again. I feel like I'm back on the grid, and, and I even installed some new applications, some new apps onto my iPhone, and I wanted to improve some areas of focus and time management, and I found this app called Clear. And uh, does anybody use Clear? Okay, we've got a couple, couple organized people, you know. <laughs> Uh, so here, here's a here's a screenshot of of just so in the blue you see you've got these major lists and that's that's not mine so personal list uh, you know personal list when you click on the blue it opens up the orange okay and then you can kind of sort by maybe the the orange at the top is like the most that's the hottest that's the the thing you really need to do and you can sort and move things around and. I really wanted to get more focused on, on what matters, and so I started jotting down in my Clear app, which my categories are, my, my lists are meetings, staff, house projects, Home Depot, and Ace, the Ace list, and groceries. Sometimes my wife says, hey, would you pick up some on the way home? You know, I could put that on that list, and then I've got a put on Craigslist list, and so... But my, my number one list right now is, and I was just kind of throughout my week, downloading thoughts and putting them on the app. Like, oh, I, need to, I don't need to think about that anymore. I can just put that on my clear and figure out where that goes and then get it out of my mind. And so, but my, my number one list right now is the house projects list. But when I open up the house projects list, it just, it's all me focused. Now, my wife probably has lots of things she would want me to do around the house projects, the honeydew list. We don't really have a honey-do list, but, but there are things that I know are, are priorities. But when I look at my house projects, it's, it's, you know, like build a bike rack, hang surfboards, paint, paint this, move over the hooks, move the hanging screw and nut organizer, build the overhead storage area for long-term. You know, I've got all these things that I kind of want to do, and, and I just notice as I look at the other list, which what I really like about Clear 
is when you accomplish something, it gives you this satisfying sound. You want to hear it? Okay. If I were to accomplish this, it would go. Oops. Oh, that didn't work, huh? Here we go. Did you hear that? That's, that feels fulfilling, doesn't it? <laughs> i got to put them back so I don't not do them. Because I just eliminated them. So, but, but it's interesting. Even with this, I realize as I look at my list, just how... It's pretty much 80% me-focused if you go through these things. It's pretty me-focused. Uh, as I've been saying, I mean, choosing to do what's best is a battle. Because we're all, we're all pretty me-focused. And the thoughts that roll around our, our heads, we, we realize, wow, a lot of those, the, dominate, the dominating thoughts are, you know, they're what I want. They're my desires. They're my goals. So doing the good that God has made us to do is not just about externals or modifications or even installing new apps. It's really learning to choose daily to evaluate my perspective and my values. And since this is the case, Jesus, He continually challenged people on those things. He challenged values and perspectives because people tend to lose sight of what's most important. We do that. We lose sight. Sometimes we just do what we've always done. Here's a, here's a pastor's joke for you. See if anybody can, can get this one. I learned this one in seminary, okay? What are the last seven words of a dying church? Does anybody know this one? See, it's a pastor's joke. You're not even going to find it funny, I guarantee. But it's, we've never done it that way before. We've never done it that way before. I think it's seven. We've never done it, done it that way before. Because we don't like change. People don't like change. And so as a church decides, no, I don't, I don't want to change. We've never done it that way before. This is just how we do things around here. If, whether it's individually or as families or a church community, we just get in ruts, don't we? We've never done it that way before. It's not enough to just change up the scenery in our lives and just move to a new place. We have to actually look at the internals the perspective and values deep inside of our hearts. And so, now Jesus, he was, he was the master at doing this, at getting to the heart of the issue. For those that would say, we've never done it that way before, he, he'd have something very pointed to say. Now, one group he would challenge a lot was the group known as the Pharisees. And the Pharisees were one of these religious groups in the first century who continually questioned Jesus. He got into some tense exchanges with the Pharisees. They were these real, you know, religious, uptight, self-righteous snobs, honestly. And I grew up in the church, and I learned about the Pharisees from an early age that these were the bad examples. You don't want to follow the Pharisees. Don't be a Pharisee. That was kind of a common statement. Because they were people who would major on the minors and minor on the majors. They would take what God intended in His law, and they started adding laws on top of God's laws. So you've heard of the Ten Commandments before? Okay, you find them in the Old Testament... You know, thou shalt not this, 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 you know, don't steal, thou shalt not commit adultery. Uh, there's a, one of the commandments you've heard, you're not to work on the Sabbath, right? Do not work, or, you know, remember the Sabbath, keep it holy, you're not to do any work on the Sabbath, right? You're supposed to be a day of, of rest. And so what they did is they created 39, this is an example of what the Pharisees would do, they would add to God's law. They created 39 categories of what work means. 
then within those categories, they started creating a bunch of subcategories to even further define some specifics. So, for example, how many letters can you write and it not be considered work? And so they would actually say, you can write up to this many letters on that scroll. Beyond this many letters, you're working. And so they, how many letters you can write, how many steps you can take in a day. This was known as the Sabbath day walk. You could only go so far. And so what people started trying to do to get around that, that rule that they had set was they would put separate sets of clothes about a Sabbath, just within a Sabbath day walk of each other. Because then it, it almost symbolized if they would change their clothes, then they could continue on and it wasn't considered working. So they could go to one place, change their clothes, go another Sabbath day journey, change their clothes, go another... And so they were building this ways trying to get around the rules that they had set, which, again, those weren't even laws that God had set. They had laws about what to eat. They had laws about what to wear. They had laws about even how loud to pray. And since the things that they were, you know... Adding weren't from God, they often would miss what was most important by a mile. And now I grew up knowing about the Pharisees and the fact that they're bad, but I didn't realize until I was older how I can be a Pharisee. How I can confuse my priorities. Which is why it is so often stated the Pharisees are a great lesson for us in church. Because we can be Pharisees ourselves. In fact, I want to invite you to pull out your, your handout. In fact, Jesus, he challenges his followers to put first things first. He challenges us in this way. To put first things first. Right in the middle of a, of a rebuke to these religious leaders, Jesus hits them very hard between the eyes on something that they were missing. Now this is from a passage in Matthew 23 where he, he kind of calls them out. On, he calls the Pharisees out. In different ways. I'm going to give you a verse. It's not going to be up here on the, on, the, on the screen. But it says in the beginning, it says, Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees, they sit on Moses' seat. So practice and observe what, whatever they tell you, but do not do what they do. For they preach, but they do not practice. Okay, they, they would preach a lot, but they wouldn't practice what they preached. If you've heard that phrase, you know, practice what you preach. This is where that's coming from. They tie up heavy burdens hard to bear. And lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others. So, they're very much about the externals. And and, and they're placing additional laws and regulations that were far beyond what God was asking. And so, in the middle of this passage where Jesus starts saying, Hey, woe to you, in seven different ways, he gets verse 23... He says this, What do you scribes and Pharisees? The scribes were the ancient, ancient Jewish kind of note takers, the record keepers, the writers. Okay? What do the scribes and the Pharisees? Hypocrites, he says. For you tithe mint and dill and cumin. These are plants that they would grow. Okay? These are the plants that they might have. They would tithe, literally tithe off the seeds of these plants. So if they were growing a dill plant, they wanted to make sure that they kept the law. And so... You had to, you know, their laws required that they would even count out the seeds of their plants to make sure they're tithing even off the seeds. And so can you imagine taking a, a plant and getting the seeds and piling them up? Say, okay, God, I'm going to give you a tithe off of all these. So you'd count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine for me and my future and one for God. Or actually it'd be like this. One for God. 
they do it again. Can you imagine getting into the detail like that? Diving, spending so much time on that. This is what they were doing. They were tithing off these little things. And then what he says is this. You're tithing off these things and you have neglected the weightier matters of the law. There's more important things that God is concerned with. What does he say? Justice and mercy and faithfulness. He says, these you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Then he says in verse 24, you blind guides, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. It's a really fascinating picture here that he makes. He calls them blind guides, straining out a gnat, swallowing a camel. Jesus' words, they cut right to the heart of their motive. Because they were trying to excel in doing good works and good things, but they were using their own measure. And Jesus, He just called them on it. We can do this. Their issue was not a lack of information. Their issue, the real issue, was a lack of focus. They were exalting the wrong things. We can do this. And I'm going to give you some examples of how we can focus on the details but miss really God's priorities. Things like justice, mercy, faithfulness, like what He accused them of. We can do this with our Bible reading, our Bible learning. If we're not careful, we, we, we hear something taught or we, we dig into some, something in the Bible for ourselves or someone else is teaching something about the Bible and then we go, ooh, ooh, that's really good. And we're, we're like, ooh, ooh, that's really good. Ooh, I really drew this out last service, so I'm going to do it again for your... Ooh. And we're like, that is so good. Whoa. Wow, that blew me away today. And we're, we're caught up with some information, whether it's on our own, or at church, or some other place, or on the radio. Ooh. That guy just took me really deep. But then, when it comes right down to it, we neglect to apply. We're satisfied to be mentally stimulated but we neglect to do anything with it. Details are important, yes, as we talked about, but you can get so bogged down and buried in the details of life and then you can miss applying God's priorities and principles. You can get so fascinated with things that you go, wow, that's amazing. Huh. Whoa. Man, that's great today. And then we fail to really do anything with it. And so Jesus... He's accusing them of that. Now, he's using the word neglect. Look at verse 23. He uses the word neglect in this passage. Neglect has the connotation of laying something aside or just dismissing something. They were neglecting or dismissing justice, mercy, faithfulness. You know, they had this idea, which is, I don't need to be faithful because I've given a lot of my stuff, God. I've been faithful in tithing these plants and I've given. So my actions justify the way I'm living my life. But they were picking and choosing what they wanted to do. And Jesus' warning to them is really a warning to all of us. It's this. It's do not overlook what matters to God because of your own preferences or man-made principles. Do not overlook what's important to God because of your own preferences or man-made principles. Or the way you think, this is just how it needs to be done. Make sure that what you think about how it needs to be done lines up with what God says are His major priorities. What happens when we do this is we become blind and confused on what's best. This is why he says in the next verse, you blind guides, straining out a gnat. This type of person would actually strain a gnat in a strainer, strain out a gnat in a strainer before taking 
a drink. Now, the most minute of unclean insects or animals, an insect would be a gnat. And he's, he's saying, it's like you're trying to strain out a gnat before you, you have your meal or drink your drink, but you're swallowing a camel. You're trying to attempt the impossible by, by focusing on all these little details. That's impossible for people. This is too heavy of a burden for, for, for you to lay on people. Now look at this picture. Here's what that may have looked like. Okay? You see this man with a strainer in his hand, about to eat his bowl of soup, trying to strain, make sure he's not getting a gnat, this unclean animal, this unclean insect in his soup. But what's he doing? He, you know, he's trying to swallow a camel whole. That's a ridiculous picture. But Jesus, He used this language to show how twisted up we can get trying to determine for ourselves what is best in life without God's help. If we start saying, here's what's best, here's what's best, based on my preferences and my, my opinion, and we leave God and His Word really out of it, and we, 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 we dive so deeply in the details that we miss the big picture, we're, we're doing this ourselves. We're straining out a gnat and we're, we're trying to swallow a camel. But it's so fascinating to swallow a camel, isn't it? So fascinating to, to, to get the detailed information and to, to just get information overload. But some of the ways that we can do this in our practical sense is you know, allowing the urgent to determine our day. Not what's most important. That's, that's one way we can do this. Just allowing the urgent things to determine the focus of our day. Or another thing is Choosing our preference as we relate to others and not what's really helpful for them. Our preferences versus what's helpful. Or creating our own standard of of behavior that is ridiculous for other people to match up to. Sometimes in relationships to others, we we have these standards of of how people should live and we apply them to others. and, And people can't live up to it. We've looked at just... What is best today for seven weeks? And the implications to this series really run across all of life. You can ask yourself this question, what's best today? With your parenting, with your schoolwork, with the person you're talking to, what's best today with the opportunities God gives you? But we can boil this whole series down into two core principles of productivity. And here they are. It's know what's most important and then put it first. Know what's most important, put it first. Jesus, he taught this right in the middle of his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. He was talking with people about money and about worry and about where to focus and the things that capture our focus. And he says this in Matthew 6.33. He says, But seek first his kingdom or the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. He's telling us to operate from top priority. Work at the top priorities. Work your way down. The whole passage, if you want to look at this, is in Matthew six twenty-five through 33. But this is really the, where he arrives at. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Basically, there are some concerns that really should not be the major priorities in our lives. Some of the things that we make majors shouldn't be majors. They're really minors for God. What are we going to eat? Am I going to have enough food? How am I going to provide for myself in the sense of worrying about that? What am I going to wear? What am I going to drink? You know, we can get really worked up. Think about maybe a shopping trip. Have you ever been worried about you know, going, is this going to be perfect? They're coming. I want to make a great impression. I want, And we can get so consumed with the shopping experience. And someone says, hey, mom, I'm focusing. Think about how we can do this. Neglecting justice, mercy, faithfulness. 
for a shopping list. Think about how that applies to just the different ways we relate at work. Jesus is saying, look, the things that you that are consuming your thoughts and your minds, you know, I want a perfect job. I want a, I want the perfect person. Or I really need to establish long-term security. And so I'll focus on the kingdom of God once all my ducks are in a row. Or I'll start serving God's kingdom when, when things in my life have settled down and i got things in order. Or I'll, I'll start becoming a generous person when I reach my savings goal and I'm out of debt and I, I feel like I have enough, then I could become a generous person. Or, or I'll, I'll plug in regularly when, when my, my schedule fits. Well, I don't have as much going on, and on and on and on. And we start clawing after lesser priority things. And God is saying, hey, I will add what you really need in life if you will put first things first. If you'll seek first the kingdom of God. All those other thoughts that consume our minds, God's saying, look, I'll set those things in the appropriate order. The things that you really need. Now, with laser precision, Jesus, he gives his followers a very different focus. He says the most important things for us are God's kingdom and God's righteousness. These are the, these are the core principles. If you want to be a productive person, you want to live a fruitful life, make sure that God's kingdom and God's, God's righteousness are those big rocks that you're building everything else around. These are the giant you know, directives from God. And, and I want to flesh these out a little further. Know what's most important. The word seek in Matthew 6, verse 33. Knowing what's most important. Seek means to focus our attention and our hope on God's interests. When we seek something, we're, we're literally kind of leaning in and giving real focused attention. We're zooming in on these things. So we're to seek out God's kingdom and His righteousness. God's kingdom first. His kingdom is not referring to a geographical territory. He's not saying... Hunt for this place on a map. You'll find it someday. No, he's not talking about a geographical territory, but he's talking about God's reign in history and in the lives of people. That's God's kingdom. God's reign, his rule in history and in the lives of people. And so we are to keep this priority in our mind every day of our life. The kingdom of God. I I need to be focused on advancing the kingdom of God. We want to help God rule to a greater extent in our own lives. We want, or we want God to rule to a greater extent in our own lives and we want His rule to extend into the lives of other people. And so it makes sense to participate in church life. It makes sense to partner up with others in congregation, to, to join up, to plug in, to get involved because you're helping to build God's kingdom. You're, you're, you're making the kingdom of God a priority, even being here today. You're make, you've set this time aside and I encourage you with that because you're... you're you're saying the kingdom of God is very important. That I am carving this time out to hear from God about His Word. And I'm evaluating things, coming before Him to worship Him. This is a real priority. This is what's best. This is also why if you're, if you're raising kids, you're trying to raise up the next godly generation. And you, you, you want them to be concerned with God's kingdom. You know, and so you're parenting. That's a kingdom issue. When you're parenting... That's a kingdom thing. So don't think, wow, this is a waste of time. No, that's God's kingdom. You're helping to build. You want God to rule in the lives of your children. This is why you make time to pray. and You seek the Lord. Because you're trying to understand the ways of His kingdom. And you're asking God, would you, would you bring your kingdom? You're ruling in heaven, Lord. Rule here on earth. You're asking God, 
we, we want to see your kingdom move and advance on earth. And so we pray for that. And then God's righteousness. This righteousness means to do right. To do what's righteous and just before God in every circumstance. So He's our reference point. And if we handle the flow of our life in the way that God wants, then He has a certain way, a righteous way, that we relate as, as husband, father, son, daughter, student, worker, church member. He, he has a righteous way. And if we'll set out to live righteously in these different roles that we play, day after day after day, we bear fruit. And that fruit grows and you end up living a life of fruitfulness, of productivity. Those are, those are to be God's, those are God's core priorities. Seeking His kingdom. Seeking His righteousness. That's what it means to know what's most important. is to focus in on these areas. Now, God's not playing a game of hide and seek. He actually wants us to know what's most important. And so He tells us, He tells us, these are the, these are the core issues. Now, the second principle, though, is put it first. First, you know what's most important. And then second, you put it first. The verse says, seek first the kingdom. So, this is not a matter of tabling these things for the future, tabling God's kingdom. And, oh, oh, oh it's in my long-term planning to seek the kingdom. Now he says, seek first. Think about the implications for your day when you wake up. How, how are you seeking the kingdom, God's righteousness? What does it look like for you? Once we discover what's most important, we constantly have to keep choosing to, to put it first, put it first, put it first. You and I, we can't, do everything that comes our way. Every time we say yes to something, we're actually saying no to another thing. And so, what, with this, we need to do the heavy lifting first and then handle the lighter stuff later. The heavy lifting, the heavy stuff is, is time with God. This is the kingdom and the righteous, His righteousness. Time with God. Time with your family. Time with your church family. Time in small groups. Time serving. Sharing. Sharing your faith. Evangelism. Even work, going to work, that's, that's the heavy stuff. Because that's, that's God's will for you. That you'd work hard, that you'd provide for yourself, and also you'd be a blessing to others with your resources. These are the heavy things. And with those first issues, those priority issues, you have to build around those. Those are the things you build into your schedule first. Where and when you have the most energy. And then the lighter stuff... That comes later. That comes next. It's going to show up in your day, but it needs to come after you build in the most important things. Now, the lighter stuff, that's recreation, that's entertainment, that's social media, that's traveling, that's dining out, that's sitcoms, that's new movies, that's pleasure reading, and that's, you're like, that's all my fun right there. Thanks. It feels like it, though, doesn't it? God's the cosmic killjoy here. Here's the truth, though. If we let the lighter stuff crowd out the heavier things in our day, then we end up doing not... You know, we, we don't end up doing what's important. We end up living a lightweight life. And over time we realize, wow, I've lived decades and decades of a lightweight life focusing on the minors. And the question here is, what is best today? It's, it's one of those questions that we constantly need to engage in if we want to live a productive life. And God wants to help us sort through this question as we live out our days. And I want to invite you to, I want to invite our worship team to come join me on the stage. And 
to give you a reminder of the importance of this question, we have given you a refrigerator magnet. And so, put one of these on your refrigerator. If, if there's a couple of you here, put one on your refrigerator. Maybe put one on your dash, you know, near your speedometer. So you can see this when you're driving down the road. Because you're going to be in the car a lot. We've referenced the theme verse of this series. We wanted to give you something just as a reminder of, of kind of the, the, the core question to ask. What's best today? This is, this is a question you can ask as you wake up in the morning. Think about it. What is best, God? What do you want me to do with my day? What is best? What would you say is the most important priority? And it's, it's honestly, some days are going to be very, very different. Sometimes it's this child right in front of you is, 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 What's best today? The next time you ask the question might be the pile of work that is stacking up. And just staying focused on it. And doing your job well to the glory of God. Being a hard worker. Being a diligent worker. Working unto the Lord. Not unto men, but unto the Lord. That the quality of your work would just bring God glory. Sometimes what's best is the need that pops up in the middle of the day. And you realize, wow, I, I have it within my power and means to be able to help in this situation. Sometimes it's the person who walks across your path and you realize, this is God. This is an opportunity from the Lord. This is what's best. And so put this somewhere where you're going to remember to ask yourself this question. We've got the theme verse, which is, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. If you don't focus, if we don't focus on the way we walk carefully, the days are evil and we will pull, we will be pulled into that downward spiral of this world. So we have to ask ourselves, God, show me what's best here and now. I just encourage you to ask yourself this question at work, at home, when you're in a small group. You might be thinking, oh, I really want to share something here. I really want everyone to know that I know the answer here. But maybe that's not what's best. Maybe what's best is listening, encouraging, praying. And then you realize, you know, I I think this is going to be helpful. This seems to be best. Then share. Don't disengage, but really share. On, On your day off, I would encourage you to ask yourself this question. What's best today? That's a scary time to ask it, right? On your day off. Because you think, no, I already know what's best for today. It's rest and recre- you know, recreation, refreshment. Maybe God has a, a way He's going to refresh you that you hadn't even imagined as you pour out your life to do what is best for the day. So I just want to encourage you to get in the habit. Let's all get in the habit of asking ourselves this key question. Put this at your work desk. Would you take out that connection card? And let's just wrap up on the back. If you wouldn't mind, finish filling this out. In a moment, our ushers will be coming by to receive the offering. And there's a couple of next steps. One is memorizing Matthew 6.33. The other one, and that's today's verse, one of the verses we looked at today. And then second would just be get in the habit of asking this question. You might think, okay, how can I remind myself? Maybe you have a little alarm on your phone that comes up a couple times a day. Key times. I'm driving home. I'm driving home. i got a lot on my mind from work. Maybe if I ask myself, what's best today that will help me engage well with the people I'm going to be interacting with? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for this time. We thank you for your word and how you cut through, especially we see in this story with Jesus addressing the Pharisees. You cut through to the heart of 
our motives, our, our misplaced priorities. Help us not to be focused on the minors of life and the details to the detriment of your main priorities. Would you remind us this week to wrestle with this question and build the habit into our life of, of just seeking you, seeking out your kingdom and your righteousness in very practical ways, Lord, as it shows up in our life. Help us with the choices we make, Lord. And if there is if there is anyone here that's just feeling like they, they really can't hear from you because of sin in, in their lives and just stuff that has clogged up the communication line with you, Lord, I pray that today would be a day and this would be a time where they could just acknowledge their sin before you and just say, God, I'm, I'm guilty of these things and I, and I have been carrying them and I'm not really hearing anything from you because of them. And I pray as I release them to you, I just confess them and as I release them to you, Lord, I receive your forgiveness. Would you help me to begin to just hear from you again and then respond to you today and moving forward, Lord. Just pray also for those that are here that have not yet decided to follow you, Lord. I pray that this whole passage of seeking first the kingdom, for many that's just, that's where the wrestling is at. It's not not yet ready to, to seek first God's kingdom. And, and so, Lord, I pray that for any that you're drawing to yourself today, Lord, I pray that you would help people to take that step of faith, trusting their lives to you, Lord. And thank you for what you're doing in our lives, in our small groups, in our serving opportunities. Lord, thank you for this uh, church family. Help us to be not stuck in ruts, Lord, trying to do what's always been done, but really help us to seek you fresh, Lord, and new. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.